punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hey there, welcome to the Nesson Bruins podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined as always by Nesson.com's Logan Bullen. Logan, how are you? Mike, I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. I think it's funny that we discuss how we're doing and, and check in and, and exchange pleasantries when we've literally been speaking to each other since about 7.30 this morning. So Yeah, that's true. And have been on this call for about 15 minutes now. Yeah, and if, you know, I think the interesting stuff in this entire discussion probably happened before the red light went on, but, you know, that's just uh, a little... Sure. <laughs> One day we can do a director's talk. Yeah. Yeah. We'll peek behind the curtain. Yeah. A lot of uh, illuminating discussions about the Major League Baseball draft and and things like that. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, This week we'll just kind of, again, do as we've been doing, catching up on the latest developments of the league and its attempted returns. Uh, We might touch on a a few Bruins-specific things uh, from some of the, the, the calls this week. Uh, and then we have another Bruins prospect interview to get to uh, the final in this uh, series. If I'm not correct. Yeah, honest, at least for, at least for now. That sure. was uh, that was as far as my Rolodex got. Well, it's it's your. It, it was to... you know it was a pretty good haul for yes, for a I... website that supposedly doesn't do anything original, as we've been unjustly critiqued before. There is a lot of original Bruins content up on the website from the wow. last month and a half. Quite a shot. I like it. All right. Um, uh, let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, not a whole, this actually of all the sports, uh, hockey with the, the smallest amount of, uh, progress one way or another, I guess you can't, I guess progress is always forward. Uh, with the, the least amount of progress or regression, uh, it didn't seem like there was a lot of news this week in terms of the hockey return. Uh, it feels like N- the NBA and major league baseball both took some huge strides if we're being honest toward a return or at least towards trying to, to return whereas hockey is kind of still waiting it out. Um, the two most important people in the, uh, the NHL offices, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, both co- uh, publicly commented on, on the state of things. Uh, I guess we could start with Bettman, considering he runs the whole shebang. Um, yeah. He was on a uh, – what was it? A, a Sharks? He was a San Jose Sharks season ticket holder town hall. So what did he say? So the direct quote, um, let's see, was – First of all, he said that canceling the season is not something I'm even contemplating. And he goes on to say, believe that if the right time comes in the right circumstances, based on all of the options that we're doing and our ability to, or we're considering rather, and our ability to execute them, we'll get this season done. Uh, canceling is too easy a solution. That means you stop working hard to do all the things that we're doing. And I ultimately believe there will be an opportunity. He also says states are reopening, cities are reopening. If we do the right things, I think we'll be able to finish the season. And then he said one more time, we would like to bring a conclusion to this season. It's got to be fair. It's got to have integrity. And if we do it, if we have to do it over the summer on some modified basis, then we'll do it on that basis. So that was, I mean, as close to like a outright admission again that they're that they really want to finish the season. I mean, the dead giveaway was when they released the statement back in March that they were pausing things, and they specifically put in there that they were intent on handing out the Stanley Cup this season. So I think this just kind of reaffirms it. Um, But I don't know. I go back and forth on how I feel about if he's just 
kind of jazzing people up, but leaving enough room to say, well, I didn't guarantee anything. But at the same time, why do you have to promise good things to San Jose Sharks fans when right. you know, the yeah. Sharks wouldn't even be – if there was a 2014 tournament, the Sharks wouldn't even be in it. Like the Sharks why, do you have to, why do you have to promise anything to anyone? Like, right. If I, the testing doesn't get better and they can't find a way to play, him being like – there's no harm in him saying, yeah, we'd like to play. It's like no kidding. Oh, right. He's under no obligation to say anything with complete conviction. Right. Um, so that's, I mean, it is what it is. It's a, it seemed like a lot of commissioner speak unsurprisingly. It did. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I don't know about the integrity thing either. I understand that that's going to be their, their goal. I just don't see like at a certain point, maybe you're like, this isn't worth it. And like giving out the Stanley cup in August in North Dakota, is that really what, you know, the integrity of the Stanley Cup is supposed to represent? I mean, I don't know, maybe, sure, if you get a, you know, a four-round series or four-round playoff in and you hand it out, sure, I guess it's technically earned. But, like, at a certain point, you know, let's just say they they start up in August, which seems like the longest-range thing uh, Mm -hmm. at this point. Let's just say that's the case, though. So – they, they pause in March. So they're going to take five months off, resume it in the middle of the summer, uh, it, it, you know, in the middle of nowhere yeah. or whatever. Guys will it get just, hurt. Guys will get yeah, hurt if that weird, happens. Yeah, it's a weird – I. so, like, I, so the other thing is, too, is I understand that they, they said when they, they made the announcement you alluded to, they wanted to award the Stanley Cup, and God bless them. I, they should want to award the Stanley Cup. But, like, if you look back and – you know, I look back at 2005 – and they didn't give out the Stanley Cup. And I'm like, that's a bad look for the NHL. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not good. That was a, that's a dark moment for the NHL. If you look back 10 years from now, you're like, oh, they didn't give out a Stanley Cup in 2020 because there's like friggin' global pandemic. It's like, yeah, that's right. a little it's, more understandable. It's more forgivable like, I, than it works. Yeah. 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 So that's, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I think they're walking under ladders by trying to restart the season, especially with, I mean, you, you look at some of the aging guys in the league who, you know, are going to log big minutes in the postseason. I mean, one's captaining the Bruins right now, and you sit there and you look at him. You know, Char even said yesterday he was on a town hall with season ticket holders. Char said he's like, you know, he typically in a typical offseason, he's begins skating in mid-July. Then in August, he's usually skating three to four days a week. And then September, he's skating every, pretty much every day until he gets uh, to training camp when they're skating pretty much every day. Uh, and unless you're in Sweden or a country where there are no restrictions, then guys are not skating um, unless they're way up in you know the northern territories of Canada, which I don't know how many of those guys there are. But the reality is not a lot of these guys are skating. And if it's taking them – I mean, think about it this way. If a training camp for the NHL doesn't start until the middle of June, it'll be about three weeks or three months rather between when the season paused and when they started back up. The Bruins season last year ended in mid-June and they were back in mid-September. That is the same length of time as an offseason for a team that made a deep postseason run, right? So you're going to ask guys who otherwise in those three months would have been skating 
semi-daily for the better part of those, you know, two and a half, three months that you got to ramp up in three, maybe four weeks, which include practice, not just skating sessions, but legitimate yeah. practice and then be ready to play. If it's a tournament, meaningful games that are, <laughs> that could end your season when you were at the time of the pause, the best team in the NHL, if you're the Bruins or a team like the lightning or the blues or what have you, like, that's where you start to run to some dangerous territories with injuries and then the integrity thing. I mean, what kind of look is it? And this is way off, but say they do a 2014 tournament and somehow the Chicago Blackhawks win yeah. or the Montreal Canadiens win. Like that would be a very bad look for like a team that, especially if you don't let, you know, the Buffalo Sabres in because they played fewer games, but theoretically could have been in that 2014 picture. Like, they're eventually going to have to make their peace with a couple of things from a pure playing perspective. One that you might get some really ugly matchups and some really ugly results that people aren't going to be happy about. And you are going to have guys, potentially stars, potentially older players who get hurt because of this. Yeah. Make a lot of good points. It's going to, I think it's just in a lot of these instances, you start really digging into like, if you go back to March I remember that it would be hilarious to go back and look at the, the conversations that we were having about the return of sports and just being like, there is, you know, I came out from every league. It felt like, you know, we're hopeful that we can get this thing going in June. You know, there is a lot more optimism, I think, back then, clearly. And then yeah. you start, you, know, you start looking at the, you know, all of the people involved in, in things like that. And, and the, you know, the testing thing has, we've, We've made strides in testing. I know that nobody wants to say that we're anywhere close to where we need to be in terms of testing as a country, but those numbers have gone up. The availability, you know, you're seeing in the NBA now where if you're in a market where, you know, tests are readily available to frontline workers and people who need them the most, you can start testing asymptomatic players. I think, you know, for any of these teams to get back, for any of these leagues to get back, I should say, you're going to have to be at that part. But I think it's just as June – gets closer and closer in July, you start realizing there are so many hurdles you have to clear if you want to get this thing up and running again. I think that's kind of where the NHL is right now. And at a certain point, somebody's going to have to make a difficult decision, right? And, yeah. and that's the thing that's that has been the most frustrating for me as a sports fan, just watching uh, from afar. And I understand that nobody wants to make a bad decision. And I understand that you want to take as much time as you can if you're allotting yourself that time, but it just becomes – you'd like to see some sort of progress. And I feel like the NHL specifically has not made a ton of progress in the last month as things have started to look a little bit better in the, on the sports landscape. I, I think it's fair. It's important to note that in terms of general uh, terms, like we're not sitting here saying that things are better across the, the country and, you know, let's get hockey back up and running. I think it's, you know, you, you're still trying to, to wage that uh, you, you balance everything. Um, in terms of optics and, and things like that. But you know, if you look at what Bill, da Bill, Bill Daly said in uh, an interview with the Athletics, Pierre Lebrun, um, Pierre asked him straight up, he's like, is there anything, is the NHL there yet with a specific return plan? And Daly goes, I wouldn't go there. We haven't moved into, we haven't even moved into our contemplated phase two yet. So until we do that, and from there we have training camp and think it's a little bit too early to be handicapped when we might be playing games. Certainly I have a best case and worst case in my mind, but that's not something that needs to be shared publicly at this point. And it's like, I mean, these guys haven't even skated, you know, to your point, like these guys can't, 
and I understand that it's tough. Like here in Massachusetts, we technically can't do anything for another five days anyway. Um, right. So I guess maybe at the, the, at the very least. Right. So uh, the hope is that uh, as states start opening up again, you can kind of get in in the rink and, and skate with your teammates. Uh, kind of what the NBA started to do in states allowing it, but there's still all you know. Maybe I, my hope is that, like, once you break through this first barrier, and for the NHL, that would be going from phase one to phase two, where the quarantine is over, you can start getting back together, guys are coming back from Europe. Hopefully, once you break through that phase into the next phase, that's where the momentum starts going and the ball starts rolling a little bit faster. Um, but if, you know, if – I mean, it's you're up against the clock at a certain point where if you can't get phase two moving at a, a quicker pace than phase one, you're screwed. Yeah, well – and I think similarly to when it came to pausing seasons, the NHL appears, and this is just conjecture, but they appear perfectly content to just follow the NBA's lead. Like the NBA is having all these conversations with players and whatnot. Adam Silver said two to four weeks we'll have a decision one way or the other yeah. about what's happening with the NBA season. I think the day after the NBA makes their announcement, we're going to have one from the NHL. Um, but the, the, you know, the, fair or unfair, they've seen perfectly content waiting it out and seeing what other leagues do. You know, they're not really impacted by Major League Baseball because that's such a unique circumstance because that season didn't even start. And there's a lot of labor stuff to talk about. The NFL's totally different, and the NBA between the two winter sports has certainly been the more I don't want to say motivated one, but the one who have had a little bit more direction. It feels like through most of this process. It's uh, weird though, like the NBA has felt quieter like it I, has well and that's i feel like you take the announcements from the nba a bit more seriously right because you're not hearing all this stuff every time there's not a new you know new york post report every other day and yeah, there's not like, you know all of this stuff getting thrown around and people doing cartwheels over the draft every day daily and batman are out there a lot like far it's more so shockingly than, much yeah like, Far more I, so than, what's what's uh, Batman doing Hilder. on a season ticket holder town hall? I know. Like, I mean, you know, it's the most important time in the history of the sport and the history of the league. And I mean, hey, good for him for being, you know, out there. That's been a criticism of him in the yeah. past that he doesn't face the public enough. Um, but it is an, certainly an interesting time to start it up. But he's going to look like a real goofball if he goes on these town halls and starts saying, "Yeah, yeah, we're." pretty content on, you know, starting things back up and I'm not contemplating stopping the season. And then it's mid June. There's no plan. They say, well, you know, tarnation, we're calling it. But like, if he looks like a goofball, I don't think it matters. Like, that's my point is like, yeah. I, it doesn't, he's still going to get booed when he hands out the Stanley cup, whenever that happens again, next in a full arena, like he's still going to be Gary Bettman. Like the reputation's going to be there. So why not try to inject some positivity into this when it's not, there's no, Kind of like what you were saying earlier, like there's no penalty to being optimistic. I just wonder at a certain point, and this is where I'm starting to, this is where most of my pessimism comes from. Is like, you know, it's not like you get the this playoffs done and your league is done forever. Like, you know, we're not trying to fit in the last Stanley Cup final of all time here. You're still going to want to try to start a season again next year. And maybe they are afforded some uh, – you know, a little bit of a delay here. And I, I wonder what kind of decisions are being had and discussions are being had in that regard where it's like, it sure sounds like they're going to want an 82-game schedule next year with fans in the arena. 
Yeah. I don't know how realistic that is. And obviously it gets more and more realistic as you push it back. So I guess they, they feel right. confident doing that. Maybe you start at Christmas and go until July next year or something like that. And if that's the case, then yeah, maybe you can go into August, but it's just that, that should be in the back of their mind at all times too. It's, yeah. you know, you can't just completely give up on next season in order to finish this one in six months. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because one thing I've actually been thinking about today, because today's the seven-year anniversary of the Bruins game seven comeback against the Leafs, the playoffs. That was the lockout year. Yeah. That, that season didn't start until January. And what they end up playing, they played 48 games that yeah, regular season. Yeah. And it's like, I look back at that Leafs series and I think there's not an asterisk on that because sure. of the way the season started. Like, why – and to pivot a little bit, so Jared Dudley, the forward for the Los Angeles Lakers, said that he thinks one of the things that he's heard about the NBA is that they'll play all the way until October and then wait to start the next season until maybe Christmas, maybe New Year's Day. But the further they push it back and get into 2021, the higher likelihood there is that there's a vaccine. Uh, right. And now you can start to get people back into the stands. With hockey, they have it proven before that they can play a semi-worthwhile season in January. So what harm is it doing them if they keep kicking this can down the road until they get some sort of reassurance from medical professionals that they can at least get this season done without fans, even if they were playing the Stanley Cup final, you know, Columbus Day weekend, and then you're – Regular season starts up for 2021 on New Year's Day, and you play that season out. Your Stanley Cup Finals done in mid June, and then uh, mid to late June, I guess it's delayed a couple of weeks. But then you're able to start right back up, pretty much on time for 2021-22, and then you're back on track. Because that's where I think they'll start to hurt themselves if they push it back and then are hell bent on having an 82 game season next year when they were playing this season out through mid-October and, you know, you're not playing the cup final again until, you know, mid to late July. It's just, it's going to start having this lingering effect more than it necessarily needs to have. I feel. Yeah. I don't like the idea of playing the cup final in October, like to go seven months and, you know, that just makes no sense. But yeah. all right. Last thing on this, what's your best case scenario for if you're, just in general here, like, what do you think is what sets everything up the cleanest and the best in the long run? Because I just thought of mine. So, I've, do you are you asking like rationally? Like, what rationally, do I think rationally? Rationally, rationally regarding the league, regard best case for everyone involved. I think the most rational, best case scenario. Assuming it's safe. Sorry to interrupt, but like, right? I mean, assume assuming it's safe. I I think the best case scenario that probably won't happen is you're back July 1st, you play the final three weeks of the regular season. You know, the Red Wings and the Senators of the world are pissed that they have to come back for nine games, but is what it is. And then you play the playoffs and, you know, Labor Day weekend, you're probably done with the Stanley Cup final. And then you push the start of the next season out until probably Thanksgiving or so. And you're on your merry way. You squeeze in an 82-game season um, and you figure it out that way. What I think would actually happen is they're going to do a 2014 playoff and they're going to 
piss off a few teams like the Buffalo Sabres, who basically just got hosed because they hadn't played as many games. But you say, tough, go pound sand, this is what we're doing. And they play it, they hop right into the playoffs in early to mid-July after a four-week training camp. That's what I think is the most rational solution that – I mean, rational, loose use of that word right now, but, like, I feel like that is what they most likely are leaning towards that they think and actually is attainable. I think – yeah, I I think I'm close to that second thing. I think the best-case scenario, best compromise is getting going, giving out the cup before August. I think that's, like, my – my drop dead day. I don't want a Stanley before Cup. Before August? Yeah. Before the end of August or before the start? Before of August. August. So I'm – I got, I'm I got news for you. That's probably August. not happening. I know. But so, all right, let's say we get an announcement next week that you can start skating. You're back practicing by June 1st. I mean, we're on a real accelerated timeline here. Maybe the second week of June, three-week training camp, and you play. I guess you can't play the – how long do the playoffs take? Two months? Two months, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, all right, fine. I, middle of August. Yeah, this is – it, it, depends, it depends on what they do, right? Like, I know the players are going to push back at the idea of doing hubs, but if you're at a hub and you don't have to worry about traveling, you can just play every other day sure. or – I mean, you know, in some cases, they were doing back-to-backs in the uh, 2013 playoffs. The Game 7 yeah. of the Bruins-Leafs series was the second night of a back-to-back. Well, that's and the other thing, too. If they're, if they're committed to doing that because there's no travel, like, you can squeeze in a lot more in time, especially if you do the early rounds as best of five or whatever. Um, you're still probably not getting the cup awarded before the end of August because – or before the end of July because that means you squeezed in anywhere from – I don't know, 18 to 28 games, 30 yeah. games. Um, and to your point about the NBA too, like the NBA has basically come out and said, guys, the safest way to do this is the hub. So yeah, if they follow in that regard too, then, you know, yeah, fine. The NHL is trying to play games in home arenas. Like yeah, they, they've been very forthright about that. Um, uh, fine. Let's say mid August, whatever it, I want this done as soon as possible. Then back for like a 70 game season next year. And you kind of have a, a – because you're going to need a regular – well, I don't know. I, so, into August. Well, another area off. you're going to get pushback from players is if you extend the season out to, say, Labor Day, and then you're trying to get the next season going in November when there's a one-month waiting period. I mean, what about free agency? Yeah. Like, you know, right. That's I, what I think. Uh, two days after the end of the Stanley Cup final are going to have to sign somewhere and then they're going to have to move their families during all of this. Like, yeah. no, no player who's a pending free agent is going to go for that, which brings us back to the point we talk about every week, which is you're probably going to see a lot of one year deals this offseason. Yeah. I think there at least has to be two months in between the season and um, next season, between the playoffs yeah. and next season. So, yeah, I would be shooting to get next season going around Thanksgiving, it seems like a nice little, you know, barrier to start and hopefully yeah, you can get fans 68, in there too. 68, 72 games. Right. Yep. Like if, yeah. Whatever it Limit the cross country road trips. And yep. I mean, the obvious answer to the best case scenario is you hand out a Stanley cup in a fair way before the end of the summer and you do it, it to the point where you can still get 80% of your games in next year, at least. Yeah. So, 
All right. Um, do you have anything else on that? No, I I think we covered that. All right. Who's uh who's uh who's joining us this week for our, for our Michigan interview? winger Jack Becker. Um, no stranger to the organization. He was a 2015 seventh round pick. Um, yeah, he, he interesting stuff. I mean, he's been around the organization for a while. He's been to five development camps, so they know him well. Um, he's He's a big kid, but he's lanky. Um, so he's kind of talks about how one of the big things he's trying to do is just fill out before he goes to the next level. I think he's 6'4", and his weight was listed at 192. Um, so, you know, he's, his seventh-round picks are interesting. I mean, he, he for as long as he's been in the organization, when they drafted him, he's a completely different player than he was as a high schooler out of Minnesota. Um, so – Interesting insight. He plays. Uh, he played on a line with Johnny Beecher for a little bit, so he had kind of a you know firsthand experience of playing with him and seeing what you know it, the Bruins saw in him, basically. Um, so interesting kid, about to be a senior at Michigan. So he's uh, in his final year of college. So this time next year, he'll probably be signing his entry level deal. So. That's uh, that's this week, and then that pretty much covers the prospect interviews for now. I don't, I don't have any others uh, on the table. Well, uh, we'll look into it. Maybe I know we say this every week, but we'll have to really start putting our heads together, see if we can find a few minutes to, to carve out with somebody who's a little smarter than we are to, that's to kind true. of just bounce some stuff. Well, that's not tough to find. No, that's that, true. that we can find. <laughs> I gotta imagine there are plenty of people out there who are getting quite bored at this point. Would wouldn't mind talking to other humans. So yeah. Um, all right, cool. Great job with that, Logan. Uh, we will uh, we will return again next week uh, to, to discuss all of the myriad uh, developments. I'm sure that will take place between now and then. Could, could be a big week. Could be. Uh, I know. We, actually, I know we've been saying that since yeah. the last week of March, but could be a big week. Yeah. Could be. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the interview, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Bye. Could you give me a few of your overall thoughts on your most recent season? I know you had that early scoring surge, but what were your overall thoughts on the last few months? Yeah, so, you know, I thought this season went pretty well. I mean, as a team, like, we had a slow start, but I started out pretty well and kind of had a lull in the middle of the season, and we really started as a group, started to pick up and play in the second half, especially coming from Christmas break and into the GLI tournament, and then we slept in our day and kind of all just started from there, and like as a group, you know, we played, started playing well, and individually I started playing well too. And you know, I was feeling really good down the stretch, and thought I was playing my best hockey of the year. And you know, with COVID, at, you know, nineteen, you know, kind of put obviously to a halt there, and it's kind of tough to see. But overall, I was happy with how my game progressed throughout the year. Mm-hmm. One thing, <clears throat> excuse me, I've noticed you've talked about a little bit over the years is improving on your skating. Uh, are you happy with that progression so far? Yeah, I, th- I think it's gotten a lot better. Like, if you look out, you know, freshman year especially, I put in a lot of work with our strength coach there and had some skating coaches too, so i working at that. And I think I feel a lot better with how I move um, on the ice and just trying to shore up a few things and work on my, my mechanics and getting more out, more power out of my hips and calming it out down my upper body because my upper body can sometimes go a little crazy because I'm just putting in so much effort. So I'm trying to like calm that down and 
right now I actually got a slide board at home, which is just helping me work out my mechanics. I'm just trying to increase my power um, with the weight training right now and just trying to, you know, grow in my body a bit. Because um, I'm 6'4", I'm pretty lanky, so I'm trying to add a little bit more muscle on my lower frame just to help with the power and stability on the ice. Gotcha. Now, <clears throat> you've been to a few Bruins development camps, and what's been kind of the feedback that you've gotten every time you go, and what are some of the areas that you've kind of taken from that experience and applied to your game back at Michigan? Yeah, so it's kind of like how we talked about a lot of it's like the skating mm-hmm. with me, just because the game's so fast and guys move so well out there. So I think that's like the biggest piece with that lower body power, like I was talking about, I think that's a really big thing that I'm focusing on right now and I have been focusing, but I think like that's like an ultra focus for me right now and just my footwork. And I think just from the development camps, I'm just trying to absorb everything and, you know, a lot of small details like, you know, puck protection on the wall and, you know, getting the puck in my hip. So other guys can't, cause I got a big body just using that more effectively, you know, shield the puck from, you know, opponents. I think that's like big thing, big things. And just talking with the development staff throughout the year, like Chris Kelly and Jamie Langenbrenner have given me excellent feedback to work on. So I think that's like the biggest thing I've been taking away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have another year of college eligibility left. What are some of the things you're looking to accomplish over the next year? Yeah. So obviously next year, got got my you know, your senior year. Coaches always talk about it's got to be your best year and you know, looking to, you know, increase my production and, you know, I think I'm a pretty good goal scorer. So I'm just going to try to, you know, increase the number of goals that I have next season and just work on that and just work on the details of the game. And I want to, you know, see my state skating take a big step because I'm working so hard, putting a lot of research into it right now. And just want to see myself, you know, like I said, increasing that production, but also increasing the time that I can, you know, feel comfortable protecting the puck and, you know, just really elevating my 200 foot game. So, yeah. What's a typical off season look like for you? And with the uncertainty around COVID, how's that going to change things? Yeah. So, um, right now, um, we should have small, like workout groups are, are training from Michigan. All gave us a plan and, um, I'm in a group with uh, five other guys, um, so keeping in touch weekly, like setting goals for each other. It's actually pretty cool. It's a way to stay connected with the team. And, um, so, so we've been doing. I've been doing that. Just working out at home right now with the plan that my trainers get uh, given me, and I'm pretty fortunate to have some some weights and like like equipment at home that I can use. You like said like I have a, a trap bar and a like a squat rack, which is really nice to have. Um, I'm really fortunate because I just kind of luckily had that just through the years. It's coming really good handy right now. (laughs) So I've just kind of been doing that for now. And um, hopefully once this all get the situation kind of gets resolved, hopefully soon-ish, you know, obviously no one really knows what's going to happen, but, you know, get to Michigan and train with the team. Um, whenever that happens, like I said, and work on that and then go to the development camp and then go back to Michigan. So I'll be training in Michigan for the summer when I can be there. Okay, cool. Now, one of your teammates is Johnny Beecher, another Bruins prospect. Uh, I know you got to play on a line with him occasionally this past season. What were your initial impressions of him? 
Uh, just how well he can move. Like his speed is down the middle is really impressive. It opens up a lot of things. Like if you get the puck in the neutral zone, you can you know give him a pass in the middle and he can blow by guys. So I think that's just the biggest thing is just his speed and how he can just open up the ice and create more space for you. So he's really fun to play with and you get the puck a lot and just move around. You get a lot of offensive zone time with him and he's just really fun to play with. And he's also a really smart player too. So he's a good guy to have on your line for sure. Now I've got one more for you. has nothing to do with hockey, but you do go to Michigan. So I feel obligated to ask you this. Did Tom Brady make the right move leaving the Patriots? <laughs> well, I'm not like the biggest football guy, but I'm a big Tom Brady fan just because of his Michigan roots. Mm-hmm. I I also work with a uh, sports psychologist, uh, Greg Harden at Michigan, so it's pretty cool. Just the mental aspect of the, the game is something that obviously he's really excelled at, so... I think it's a good move for him. I've seen uh, he's like listed for a couple trademarks like uh, Tampa Brady or yeah. Tampa Bay or something. So, yeah, those, know, those are maybe. a little suspect. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. Maybe he's seemed to be working on like uh, his business uh, ventures with the whole TV twelve method and everything about that. So I think that's I think it could end up being pretty cool. Like obviously it's going to be weird seeing him in the Tampa Tampa Bay uniform. Like you're so used to seeing him in the Patriots uniform, but you know I think it'll be pretty cool, and you know I, I think he's going to do well, honestly. So cool. Well, I appreciate it, Jack. Thanks for taking a few minutes, and uh, stay safe. All uh, right. Yeah. You too.